iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Welcome to The Times. To find out more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Every goal, every game, everywhere. The Times and the Sunday Times. Now with goals. Hello and welcome to the very first game podcast of 2016. I'm Gabriel Marcotti and I'm extremely excited because it's a new year. It's 2016. It's a new dawn. And we have a full house in the studio. Three panelists plus an interloper who will help me uh, maintain everybody in line. A young man who may or may not be the child of one of my panelists today. Joining us on the panel today, uh, I'd say it is pretty star-studded. It's it's like the it's like the three people in the safety dance video. We have Allison Rudd, Julian Lawrence, and Matt Hughes. Coming up, we'll be talking Watford, Manchester City. We'll be debating the competitiveness of the Premier League in light of those uh, rather insightful comments from Arsene Wenger. We'll also have the usual quick hits, but we need to start at the Theatre of Dreams. The sound you hear is Matt Hughes reaching for the newspaper. He probably wants to swat up on what actually happened when United played Swansea. So we won't start with him. We'll start with you instead, Allison. Before we get to the game, I want to throw this out there. I'm a little bit surprised that Louis van Gaal is still the Manchester United manager when it's my understanding that there's another guy out there who's younger, certainly more popular with the media. I dare say more handsome as well who wants the job. That man would be Jose Mourinho. You were thinking Brendan Rodgers, weren't you? <laughs> you, were, you were. Okay, let's do it. As soon as you said handsome. Yeah. Um, are you surprised that, that he's... I mean, it, it, should we take it as read that this is it, Van Howe will stay and he will see out his contract because that's what they briefed to the media in the last couple of days? He's put a spell on them, hasn't he? Especially Ed Woodward, I think. If you think about why, why was he appointed in the first place, he was appointed because of his... Aura, his self-belief, his way of talking about the game, his... I mean, this year, Schutzberg of a man that... The, the, he, he knows what's best. He was not daunted by the challenge at Old Trafford. And everyone said when Fergie left, that would be the hardest time to take over at Old Trafford. And David Moyes found that out. He didn't have that strength of character. He went into it timidly and apologetically almost. And they realised at Old Trafford they needed somebody... If, who was, if anything, a bigger personality than uh, Sir Alex. And they've got that now in Van Gaal. Whether you think his tactics are odd or not, he certainly believes he's big enough, maybe even too okay. big for the job. That's why they stuck with him. Because right. he's still the same man he was when he, they yeah. appointed him. I, I don't think Mourinho lacks for ego or personality either. So I gotta take it, you're, you're not surprised that Van Gaal is still there and they haven't just said, listen, Louis, this is, it's been great, but somebody better is along, right? When you were in school, Julian, you no doubt had a girlfriend, but then somebody more attractive comes <laughs> along and an instant upgrade or more fun or more interesting, right? Yeah. But they're not viewing it. Are you, are you surprised that they don't, that they don't just say, look, it's... A surprise doesn't even come close. You, you know how much I yeah. love Louis. And I'm just baffled that he's still in place. And it just shows how ignorant, maybe, in a way, Ed Woodward is. And he's very new in the, in the job. He's quite new in the job. And I just don't think... Maybe ignorant is a bit too far. It's just... 
like Alison said, I think the spell is, is a very good way to put it. Louis van Gaal did something to this club, to the directors of this club, for, for them to keep him because there's nothing, he has done nothing this season for, them to, for him to deserve to be there until the end of the season. In every other club of that stature, he would have been sacked. So I, I don't know how he's still there. It's baffling me. And the, the win against Swansea on the weekend is going to maybe buy him a few days. Or should I just buy him a few days? But I think you're right. He's going to stand to the end of the season. Hughesy, is it possible that, in fact, this is all just a smokescreen and Woodward looks at it the way I would have expected Woodward to look at it? I'm not saying it's right or wrong and say, Van Gaal was good. Mourinho is definitely better for all the reasons we said before. This is just, no, no offense is an upgrade. And he just simply said, let's take some time. You know, it's simply not that straightforward to go and appoint Mourinho the next day. And, and they're actually negotiating and taking time and whatever. Or do you think that's all dead in the water? And that he really does, he really has decided that it's Van Gaal. As far as I understand it, all the running in this scenario the stories come from the Mourinho end I've not spoken to anyone at Old Trafford who said yeah we want Mourinho so unless they lost every game in December I didn't really expect them to go to Mourinho also I think you've got to give United a little bit of credit for backing their man if if, if the, he's the guy they appointed 18 months ago and they're, they're supporting him and then suddenly someone else comes on the market do they just dump him straight away that's not the way a sort of big business operates really you don't think that you go and you get or somebody better. I mean, it's it's kind of like. Well, if you believe, if you, if you, believe, if you, believe, if you believe the current guy isn't good enough, then yes. But no, they, no, not they, good they, enough. they not clearly good enough. don't do that. Even if he thinks is, I mean, you can. Yeah, I, I just find it interesting because I mean, you can set the parameters the way you any way you like, right? You can believe Van Hal is very good, but if Van Hal is very good, then Mourinho would be exceptional. I, I don't know of any scenario where, unless there's a personality conflict or there's a style conflict, where you would think that. Mourinho wouldn't be a better option than a guy who is going to leave your club in 18 months and isn't doing great anyway. Well, I can because one of the reasons United didn't give the job to Mourinho when he wanted it two and a half years ago, one of the reasons Barcelona didn't give him the job when he sat in front of them before Guardiola got the job in 2008 was that they considered him too much trouble and that he'd win games but he'd cause problems and he'd be too much hassle. He came back to Chelsea, he said he'd changed... He's gone within two and a half years. There's a tribunal starting tomorrow with a former employer of his claiming constructive dismissal against him. He's had five disrepute charges by the FA. He's he's toxic, and I think United don't want to touch him because of that. That's because of the campaign and conspiracies against him, isn't it? <laughs> now, I, I, we'll get to United in a minute, but I'm fascinated by Angel Ranhel because, A, his name, after he's been in this country like 10 years, his name gets pronounced two different ways on the same television program, and they're both incorrect. He gets Rangel, he gets Rangel. But anyway, he took a dive late in the game, and he came out, and he admitted it. And I don't think this has gotten quite as much attention as it should have. Do we like it when people come out and admit it? Is, is he helping himself, or is he or is he hurting himself? Because he has a reputation as an... I think I'm right in saying, and you're the most Welsh one here. Yep. Um, he, <laughs> Yeah. He's, actually, you are. Yeah. Sorry, thank you. I, sorry, I was talking to our, our, our guest here. But um, I, I've never met the guy, but I'm told he's a very, very good guy who... Didn't he spend the night on the street and helping, helping people, homeless people yes. and stuff like that? Yeah. So do we like the fact that somebody dives and admits it, or...? It's typically, I think, the kind of, of thing where he probably surprised himself by diving and then after the game saying, like, did I really do that? Oh, I need, I need to, to apologise or at least to say something to admit it. And I think credit to him, once again, for, for doing it because it's so rare to see 
there's diving where you are not touched and you think, ooh, I think I can deceive the ref here if I fly through the air. And there's the diving that is a grey area where you are touched. You think you probably could stay on your feet, but you're thinking, why should I? I was, I was touched. I'm not going to fall over unless I help myself fall over. I'll fall over. And some players um, believe it's perfectly legitimate and correct to fall over in such circumstances. Rangel is just being overly hard on himself, really, because there are, he has a, many, many colleagues throughout world football who think he didn't do anything wrong at all. Is it good that somebody comes out and admits to diving and, and, and shows the kind of contrition he did? Is yeah, it something we yeah. should celebrate yeah, a little I more? Think, I think well, celebrate's probably slightly too strong. Um, I wouldn't get the champagne out because a footballer I admit he dives, but I'm Yorkshire and you know don't <laughs> like spending money. So <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I think it's a good thing that he's that he's honest enough. But as Alison says, you know what is what is a dive, and there are there's a scale, isn't there? And it's not sort mm. of the most outrageous act of cheating, is it? I, I just thought it was nice and, and refreshing. Wayne Rooney finally scores after a long, long time. I just thought it was a really, really, really nice goal, the whole thing. I mean, Martial's run, the, the assistant of the box. Technically, what he did, I'm told, isn't... I, I've never done anything like that when I played at my <laughs> crappy level of football. But I'm told it was actually more just thinking to do it rather than a technical act. Anybody want to weigh in on that and say that you know there is a larger element of skill or really the amazing part is just to, 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 to strike it in that way? Two things. The first one is the cross from Marcel is a bad cross, obviously, because it's behind Rooney. That's why Rooney has to do that to score. If he was a good cross, Rooney would have had a tap in with his, right. the inside of his left foot. Secondly, it is, it is a very difficult skill, I think, personally, I think. And I think you can do it on your right foot, and I think a lot of them can, although at that pace, it's very difficult as well on your right foot. Isn't it easier, though, when it's hit harder than... Well, no, because you have to react quicker. Yeah. But by the same token, you don't, you're, only, you're only directing it because the power comes from, from, from the cross. True, but you still have to flick your, your back heel to go right. in. It's, it's easier if it's just with the inside of your foot in front of you, and it's... But from that, and you can you can just do it now in the air with your, if you're right-footed or left-footed. But it will come naturally with your right foot if you're right-footed or your left foot if you're left-footed. But if you just try to do it in the air with the other foot, the wrong foot, it doesn't come. It doesn't come down. No. It, it doesn't come down natural. Well, and when we see think, this, what does it mean though? Because I, people have been talking about Rooney's potential decline or whatever, and then he goes and he pulls off something like this, and it's not luck. It's it's not luck because you had to think to do it, and. Yeah, that's 50, it's, it's 15 years of experience in the top flight. That's what it is, and that's what you don't lose the older you get. That's the sort of goal that sums up... It's the sort of goal that is scored by somebody who might be slowing down. They don't lose the ability to... They gain ability to score goals like that. Right. For me, it's pure genius. I think 90% of the pro players in the Premier League, strikers, would have tried to control the ball with their left foot, especially the right-footed player, turn round and hit it with the right foot, if you see what I mean. Not many and by that them, point, there'd be a wall of people there. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not many of them would have tried that. And the one who, have, who, who would have tried it wouldn't have scored the way he did. I think it's an incredible finish. Really. And, and I agree with you. I think he's still in decline. I think he's past his best, probably. And he can't do this week in and week out. But I think that, that goal there was stunning. I really do. I think it shows that talk of his decline has been exaggerated, but equally... His kind of revival based on one goal on Saturday is probably being exaggerated too. The thing about Rooney people forget is he's always he's always had these sort of spells where he doesn't score. He's always been a little bit hot and cold. And when he's bad, he's awful. I've is seen really? I've seen him play for England, and there are games 
he can't control it, he can't trap it, his passing just totally goes. And I think that's got a little bit lost See, in the sort of urge to write that, him off. I find that fascinating what you just saying there, because I was of the opinion that the thing about Rooney is even when he's bad, he gives you a level of work rate. Oh, he gives you he gives you work rate that he doesn't but, hurt but you. Technically he can be terrible. His touch and passing when he's I don't know when he's not fit or when he's lacking confidence can can be appalling and has been throughout his career, not just the last twelve months. I, I can understand well, lacking confidence and stuff, but I don't understand why your touch would get worse. Like, to me, like your touch is something that's so instinctive, so muscle memory. That I can understand if you're having a bad spell, or if you're physically not right, you know, you can't run as fast or whatever. You're making bad decisions. When Rooney's fifty, he'll probably be fat and and slow, but the touch will always be there. I think it's just there's games where you can't really be bothered, and it's a shame because. But that's that's the I think that's the problem of his consistency. Just to wrap up the United thing. Did we see a better United? I mean, over the break, obviously, they had the game against Chelsea, which I thought they dominated. I think most people did, and they could have scored several goals. Was this an upgrade in performance? Is, is this a step forward? It's a small step forward, but it's definitely baby steps, and nothing suggests that they've turned the corner and are suddenly going to go on a 10-game unbeaten run and you know finish in the top two or three. The defence is generally pretty solid but there's a lack of goals there and I I was at the Chelsea game on last Monday in fact and although they did dominate the first half they're so um, pedestrian on the ball passing slow that midfield two for me whoever plays isn't isn't good enough they they like creativity and Carrick Schweinsteiger Herrera Schneiderlin I like Herrera but he's playing too far forward he's been deeper I I think Schweinsteiger is finished passes sideways Carrick Similarly, Schneiderlin, not top four. Seeing Swansea, they still don't have a manager, which strikes me as kind of weird. And when this happens, I mean, I don't think I'm giving away any secrets to our to our listeners, but it's not like they woke up one morning and said, well, we don't like Gary Monk anymore, let's get rid of him. The decision was matured over time. They would have looked at prospective candidates. The fact that Monk goes and they don't, they haven't yet appointed a, a replacement, and, and this this man Curtis is it? Yeah. Uh, you know, seems like a very nice man, but he's very open about it. Like, well, you know, he says like, I won't do the Walsh accent, but he says like, oh, I could be gone tomorrow. I could be here next week. Who knows? <laughs> you know, very honest, very dignified the way he talks. But were they going for somebody and then they didn't get? Is that why this Curtis guy is still there? Well, Does they anybody to, know? They went to talk to Bielsa, didn't they? Yeah, Trying I know. To find uh, him in, a re- in his retreat in Argentina, somewhere with no phone. No the Bielsa head. thing. I mean, Hugh Jenkins. Uh, we've all admired the setup at, at Swansea, whatever. Did they really think they were going to get Bielsa? I mean, leaving aside that Bielsa was going to be right, for that Bielsa would give them a straight answer and be like, "Yes, I'm coming." I mean, uh, or that even bringing Bielsa in at mid-season would be a clever thing to do. They, so- you're nodding. It's just not a Swansea choice. It's just meant. It would be mental. I would love it because it would be bring so much to the Premier League in terms of madness. But it just wouldn't be Swansea. It would be weird. You you know you expect I don't know a club like QPR who's all above all over the place to to appoint Bielsa thinking he's going to win them Champions League in three years. But not a club like Swansea. But you know if they think he's the right guy See, for the squad. Bielsa to me seems so far out that I could appreciate him going there to, to talk to people. And the guy I was cheering for was 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 Sampaoli, the the Chile coach. But I guess it's not him either. This makes me think that either Hugh Jenkins hit his head. Or there was actually somebody else who fell through that we don't know about. As I understand it, Hugh Jenkins was never a hundred percent behind a monk anyway. I think he was appointed on a temporary basis. And there's something about 
being in charge of a club and watching someone as a player suddenly get promoted. You've got to remember Monk took over from Brian Loudrup, you know, sorry, Michael Loudrup, but a sexy, really sexy appointment. I mean, you know, that, that one of the world's greatest ever players. He ended up just being a bit too laid back. But I don't think Hugh Jenkins thought that Gary Monk was the inheritor of, of the great Swansea tradition. I think he felt he was temporary. And, and the minute things went slightly wrong, I think Hugh was quick to think, oh, I was right all along. I don't think he's the man long term. And I think they got rid of him before they really knew what they were doing. And I also think Swansea are sort of victims of their own success. And maybe Hugh Jenkins is starting to get sort of a Jesus complex because he's done so well Jesus. in succession appointments Jesus. and suddenly he's got a proper crisis and he thinks he can pull something out the hat and it isn't magic. You have to do more than he's doing. Watford and Manchester City. Now, obviously, we'll get to Watford in a second, but City, we've said all season they, they, they lack bottle. My, my friend Tor Car- Christian Carlson once referred to Manuel Pellegrini as the Chilean Ericsson, and he didn't mean it in a nice way. And it wasn't a compliment to his sexual prowess either. Just when you think, oh, look, they're going to fade away and they're losing 1-0 and they're getting... I mean, the match report makes it seem as if they're getting absolutely hammered by Watford, at least for 80 minutes, and I'm looking at you, Husey. Then all of a sudden, the big guns fire. Yaya Toure. I thought that was a brilliant goal. And then obviously Aguero, the smallest guy in the universe, shows that you don't need to be tall to, 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 to produce a stunning header. Is this a show of characters? Is this a show of, of your big guys taking control? I don't know. It depends what happens next. I mean, it is to an extent, but I think the bigger show of characters to turn up at the start of the match and play <laughs> to your potential throughout. It's um, more exciting um, to win it late than to win it early, right? Yeah, it is, but it's a gamble, isn't it? I mean, Toure, I watched Toure sort of stroll around looking very sort of slow and ponderous, and then he suddenly produces an amazing finish. Was that the, a better goal nowhere. than the Aguero goal? I think it probably was. I, I, mean, I think so, too. Wait, wait, sorry, technical hit, expert? Hitting it, on the vo- <laughs> hitting it left foot, on standing still. <laughs> Incredible power. Just sort of so sort of insouciant and relaxed, as if he was playing on a beach. That was by far the better goal. There was no marking for Aguero's header at all. You disagree, you're going with you the Aguero see with header. The reaction. Yeah, doesn't even know the body's in the net. He reacts like Does two he seconds. Care? <laughs> yeah, well, I think he does because it was an important goal. But I just don't think he doesn't know. The ball arrives, he puts his leg, and the ball goes in the top corner, and that's it. It's Aguero, Aguero. There's the movement. He arrives so quickly. Holibas is marking him, not so well, obviously, because there's a goal. But and I just think Yaya put, you know, it's not it's not the Arsenal goal where that's exactly what he wants to do, and he puts it exactly where he wanted it in the first place. That's what they just arrive. The instinct is put your legs out, puts his leg out, and he goes in the top corner. Aguero is different. Aguero is like. It's Michael Jordan. He stays in the air for like <laughs> know, yeah. two minutes. It's Andy Carroll. And, and Sanya's cross as well. No one has ever seen Sanya crossing the ball like that. <laughs> and he did it there. And, and just... Right. It's, I, I yeah. think the... For me, Aguero's goal is, is, is better. I'd say, as a neutral, I, I just love... I, I, I love this game. I, I, game. I, I, I love the goals. Fantastic. But anybody prepared to come out and say that this is a turning point? The... The way he put Fernandinho further back at the end, like because if you look at it, they're not that far behind Arsenal and Leicester. I admired the way that he threw Boney on and went to up to up to up top when they were chasing the game, which is something he's been reluctant to do previously. Aguero has always come off early in the last few weeks because he's obviously not fully fit. So I admire the way he gambled and, and went for it. But there's still issues for me. The centre backs very very vulnerable. And so you're not one of those people who thinks that because Mangala had one good game, all of a sudden he's. Lillian Turan. No. 
Do you not think he just Pellegrini just sensed that Watford had run out of steam? They they really dipped in energy levels. I mean, you were there, didn't you sense that? And if you were the manager, you'd think, right, I'll just punish it. I won't be cautious. Yeah, but it still takes you know takes balls really to to take off a take off a defender put on a, put on a striker. And if Capu is a bit clever, they, they go tune it up I know. and it's finished. And Fernandinho has no through, idea. Yeah, yeah. Fernandinho has no idea what to do when Capu runs towards him with the <laughs> ball. He's just like, what, do I go? Do I stay? Do I, and then Capu doesn't play well because if he does play well, 3v3 like that at the end of the well, game. I, actually, we need to talk about just a second about Etienne Capu because when he signed, I thought this guy's really good. And then. I kept thinking that, and I know other people at Spurs felt that, and then Pochettino stopped liking him all the time, all of a sudden. And then when he signed to Watford, people were like, oh, look, he got some schlub Spurs reject. But I think he's been really, really good. I think his problem is that he's, and you saw him in the flesh, which I, I mean, I saw him in the flesh when Watford played Chelsea. He's a bit Yaya-like in the sense that when he's, he sometimes looks as if he's, he's slightly slow and, and ponderous, but he's not. I mean, he covers ground, doesn't he? I like him. I think he's very impressive. He reads the game so physically. Well. Yeah. I think the one thing that's missing is probably the sort of final, final ball sometimes. Brain freeze in front of goal as we saw on Saturday. But um, no, he's a, he's a good, good player, and he's perfect for Watford the way the way they play with their pace and intensity. Just another word on on Watford. We've praised this front two of of Iguello and and Dini. Troy Dini looks so unlike a normal footballer, and he looks unlike what he looked like when he was younger too. I, I don't know if it's like is is is, is body's obviously expanded his face has expanded but he works so intelligently with, with Igalo they're so they're, I think they complement each other exceptionally well which is curious because I, th- I know that originally I think the plan was for for Watford to play a three up front and then sort of deciding no actually these two are enough uh what do you make of those guys I agree with you they are they are an exceptional partnership I mean I think the word partnership's thrown around in football a lot and all it means is you get two players who play together or one off the other I've seen them live over Christmas several times and they really, really do know what the other one's going to be doing next. It's, 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 it's nice, old-fashioned, proper interplay and, and un, unselfish. Dini does you really get the sense Dini doesn't care if he never scores again as long as he wins the header to set up a Galo. It, is, it is like that. We were together at the Chelsea-Watford game. He won every single header in that game. John Terry, Gary Cahill, whoever was there, Matic, Dini, who's like, what, five... Seven, five, eight, maybe. Yeah, I think he's a bit tall. He's about five, seven wide. Yeah, <laughs> yeah five, seven wide. Well, not he's not six foot, is he? I, 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 I but think still, he's still, close to that, you know. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. And Mangala, Otamendi, all of them, he, he won the ball. In. It's just fascinating, I think, the way he just flicks the ball in the air like that and Igalo just knows exactly where the ball is going to end. And he didn't say it after the Chelsea game, saying those two up front are, you know, they're very special, they're incredible. Same the game before the player, I can't remember who, but every manager is coming up and saying, like, they've got that partnership up front that is just wonderful for them. And I think it's, it's great. And, you know, for someone like Igalo, who just didn't, didn't work for him in Spain, did he? And then brought him here. It didn't work for him in Italy either. Yeah. The amazing thing about about Igalo is his great story. His scoring story. record was just so awful. Uh, and then all of a sudden, the last two years, I guess when he comes to England, where you've got looser defenses and yes. you know the standard. No, no, no. I take that all back. Of course. Uh, one final point on City. They're being linked to to Isco 
and Leroy Sané from from Schalke. Now, Isco's unhappy that he's not getting playing time. We, we know that and it happens time and again. And I don't think he is going to get playing time at Real Madrid because poor Rafa likes to have midfielders who are actually midfielders. And when the front three are fit, he's not going to be any one of any of those guys. And he's also got James in the mix. Sané as well. Sané, for those who don't know, tremendous story. He's this 19-year-old from, from Schalke. If he comes here, I predict a Matthew Syed column on this because his dad was a Senegalese international who played for a long time in Germany, I think a little bit in France. And his mom was a gymnast. Mucho flexibility and supple and whatever. So he's got that, that, wonderful, that wonderful gene pool. So I look forward to that column at some point. But both are very expensive. Why do they need more attacking midfielders? I don't think they do. I said this yesterday um, when I read the Isco story in the Sunday papers. I mean, you said it to who? To yourself? To uh, your wife? Yeah, she was fascinated <laughs> about uh, the minutiae of Man City's transfer policy. And you do talk about your bedroom in your match report. I don't think she even knows there are two teams in Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> but I agree. I mean, on Saturday, they had De Bruyne, Sterling, and Silva behind Aguero. He was a very creative, deep lying player, anyway. Torre behind them. I mean, you couldn't get want for more creativity. Right. What they really need is a backup striker for Aguero when he's not fit, better well, than Boney, and, 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 in terms and of probably numbers, some midfield player to sort of beef up the central area. And in terms of numbers, they still have your pal Samir Nasri, who's injured, but he's locked down to a long-term contract. Navas was on the bench. Yeah. Navas has another year. I'm not sure Inacho's a centre forward. I think he's more of a winger type, personally, or from what I've heard from when he was younger. So, is this all just? people trying to create a deal or is there something else to it some grand puppeteer in the background maybe in Bavaria yeah could someone have said I want Leroy Sané for next season or something someone coming soon to the club I don't know you make, it's hard to understand you know what they're Apart from just throwing money out, but it wouldn't make any sense for them to get. I mean, Sunny, I guess. Suggest Nasri's just going, doesn't it? I yeah, know. I think so. And Maybe, again, it's tough to. Who's going to get Nasri when he's got, what, three years on his contract? He makes an absolute packet and he's, and he's coming off a long term injury. Yeah, no. I mean, you kind of have to give someone yeah, like no, that course, away, yeah. right? I mean, I mean Sunny makes more sense than he's cool in terms of he's 20 or 19 and he's just like once for the future for sure if you buy him now you probably can save 20 million because he's going to get just more expensive because he's just so good yeah, that, that. and no one else, no one <laughs> else can you, buy it that's the Ed Woodward logic right for yeah playing, probably like, but Marcel, other than Sean, that I just don't know and that front four that front four of Aguero De Bruyne Sterling and Silva was very disappointing against Watford and I know it's only the fifth time I think that they're starting game together so for that much talent not to yeah. be able to do more three passes together I mean there was that one too with De Bruyne and Silva, someone in the second half, I think. But if you just, you know, I don't know, you expect them to play a bit like Neymar, Suarez and Messi. That's, yeah, that's the I, idea. In our debate this week, we will address the words of Arsene Wenger. If you want to read more about the quotes uh, I'm refer- about to refer to, you can find them in the paper under Henry Winter's byline. Arsene Wenger was speaking to Henry and others just about how the Premier League was tight. I think in some ways he was a bit ambivalent, whether... This tightness is a sign of strength or a sign of overall weakness or or lack of quality. He obviously made the obvious point that there's more mid-tier teams with more money who can accumulate more depth, especially on the bench, and get more quality. At least the examples Wenger cited. I don't think Wijnaldum, I know he's an expensive player, I don't think he's a particularly good footballer. I don't think Yamat is particularly good on the ball either. I looked at it and I sort of thought back, just taking Newcastle as an example, Three, four years ago, was the team 
actually better quality-wise than it is now, even though they've spent more money. So I want to get your views on this. Is this tight Premier League? Is it a sign of strength and depth? Is it a sign that there are these mid-table sides are, you know, the West Ham and Stoke are actually really, really good, and they're a lot better than than the, the, the sides that were mid-table uh, four or five years ago? Alison? No, they're more athletic. That's what it is. They're not more technical. Most teams have progressed in a technical way, but I think the significant, the reason why it's more democratic, the Premier League, is because of the emphasis on athleticism, particularly if you're supposed to be one of the smaller clubs. How do you breach the gap? How, how if you're fa- facing Manchester City, who seem to have a glittering array of stars, do you cope with that if you've been assembled for... A fraction of the price. Well, you do that by working incredibly hard on the training ground, by appointing a head coach who has a cult of personality, if you want to call it that, who is able to convince his players to put in an extra session of training and to believe that it works. And once you've got that that momentum going, they can see the effect it has. So you work extra hard as a player, you see that you get a point off a big club and then it gives you the self-belief to work harder again. So you can argue it probably started properly with Pochettino coming and doing the whole pressing thing at Southampton and everyone was wooed by that and they thought, hang on a minute, maybe our team should work harder too. So it doesn't matter how talented you are, if someone's pressing you all through the match, you will... you. Unless you're exceptionally gifted consistently, you will find your ability to control a game limited, and that makes it more democratic. Well, pressing, though, isn't just a, a function of telling somebody to press. You need to have players who are athletic. I mean, are you, you suggesting that while there's Or do you this, choose players who fit so, that model, of course, yeah, but that takes all, time. All right. So and then they've also chosen guys who fit... Julian, what, what do you make of the Rudd No, I, I, I like it, I like it. I also think that a few years back, Stoke wouldn't have been able to sign Shaqiri... Or, or Bojan, you know, a club like West Brom wouldn't have ever San Rondon, you know, and I think that's also the reason why it's so competitive is that, and you can't deny that the money that's in the Premier League is far better than anywhere else, and that players like, you know, Payet would have never signed for West Ham before, especially coming from Marseille. He would have tried, he would have probably waited a bit to go to a sort of a bigger club in a way, like a club that plays in the Champions League, and 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 wait and see if that was coming as an opportunity, but. He couldn't say no to West Ham's offer in the summer, although he didn't really want to leave, and he went. And I think that as much as that physicality, the the the, the money they have, those kind of smaller clubs or mid-table clubs to spend on better quality players, technically as well, has made a difference compared to the few years the, the, the years before. Are you buying then this this Wenger Lawrence Rudd argument that there's more talented players, more athletic players in the mid-table and lower-table clubs, and therefore? the upshot is that that's why the top teams aren't running away with the league and really they're not actually I buy that to an extent I think there's no doubt that the sort of the middle class the promoted clubs are better than they used to be they're more organised defensively and they've also crucially got more goals in them promoted teams often used to really struggle to score but we've seen uh, Watford for example on Saturday got a great strike partnership I think I do also think though that the, the top teams have declined. No doubt about that. If you think back to sort of that golden age of when English clubs were dominating the Champions League between I guess oh five and when Liverpool won it in two thousand twelve, I think three Champions League titles plus five runners up. We're nowhere near that level now. Not not none I, of the top four sorry, are going to challenge. Just, just jumping on that, is it also or could it also be that the people managing the top teams right now aren't as good as the people? This is a theory put forward by somebody I know aren't as good as the people who were managing the top teams back then in that period? No, definitely. I mean, obviously Ferguson has left, 
Benitez did an excellent job at Liverpool and they've had very few managers since then. Mourinho was probably at his peak in his first Chelsea spell. So and Mourinho's gone. Now, Chelsea anyway. into Milan. I know, yeah. that's what I'm saying. They had, but Chelsea had him at, at his best. So those were better, perhaps, they were managers who were getting the best out of their teams as well because they were managing at a higher level or more secure or maybe just more clever at managing than the folks in the so-called top four right now. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Benitez and Marino, certainly that's when they kind of first really emerged. And presumably you take ago. Ferguson and his pomp over Van Gaal. Yeah. yeah, and Wenger's oh. probably the same because Wenger hasn't changed in 20 <laughs> years. He's the he's the one kind of constant. He's the control in this experiment, if you like. <laughs> Which is why Arsenal reaches plus the last 16 quarterfinals and get knocked out. I think there's more talented players, I think. There's been a step forward. I think the the, the, the rank-and-file Joe Blow average mid-table manager. But go back a few years and you see some of the jokers who were managing mid-table. I, I, like, I look at, I, I know somebody who plays for Norwich and you look at Alex Neal and he says, this guy is so much more prepared than the people who were there before. And there were some pretty good managers there before or, you know, higher profile people we thought were good. And, and the time and the knowledge of the opponents and the knowledge of the game and the way he imparts it. I just think there are people there who work harder and, and managers who are, who are more clever. Well, it's well, a combination, isn't it? Better yeah, managers no, and better players but, equals better football teams. It's not. I know, but who's a better for... I mean, it's, it's the same dudes who were there a couple of years ago who got relegated, largely. You know, plus some Bukhani, who's, <laughs> who's not very particularly good. Who's but no, but it's, it's, so I, I think there's a mix, right? I mean, yeah. you know, the, your Houlihan's, Tatis, the Russell Martin, it's the same dudes over and over again, right? Rudd, maybe, is actually even worse than he was a few years ago when I thought he was, well, he was pretty good. So I, I, I think there's a mix. I... I, I I think it's interesting, though, that there's different ways of, of playing. I think there's more variety in the Premier League. I agree with you that there are teams that press obsessively, but I also love the fact that there are teams who don't. There are teams who actually say, you know, we'll sit deep, invite the press, and try to pass around you. I think it's more mature. I think what's really letting the Premier League down is the top teams. They're making bad decisions. They, some of them are run by people who aren't super competent. Others have gigantic messes to clean up, and they're not where they should be. They're, they're really not delivering. And it's not a coincidence that, like, let's face it, this time next year, there's a very good chance that City will have a new manager. Chelsea will definitely have a new manager. Manchester United, I believe, will have a new manager. Liverpool won't because they just appointed a new guy. But yeah, I mean, I, like I, a new manager still, you know, be a proper team with proper exactly. players and stuff. You know, yeah. So I think these things have a way of actually making sense and working themselves out. But That's is it bad choice. or good? Is it, it can't, you know, it can't be that bad. I, I know... It's, we've seen the Champions League how, how far the English clubs go but in terms of competitiveness of the league it, just, it can't be a bad thing no I, I, I don't think it is I, I think it is an exciting league and it's a better league this year for, because of the fact that teams like Crystal Palace and West Ham and Watford and Leicester you know I, I think they've shaken things up okay how about now some quick hits now for quick reminder quick refresher it is a new year I will ask you a question you will have 20 seconds to answer after 20 seconds you will hear this sound and after 25 seconds, you will hear this sound. And after that, I will talk over you loudly and rudely. Chelsea pound Crystal Palace away 3-0. The likes of Diego Costa and uh, Cesc Fabregas look lively. Husey, what's going on? Is this evidence that Mourinho in some way was the problem and now that he's gone, everything is fine? He was definitely a problem. Can't blame him for some of his senior players totally losing form. Having said that, 
there's clearly been a sort of release in the air at Cobham since he left, and that was reflected in a better performance yesterday, particularly from Costa, Fabregas, Oscar, also Mikel, who's come sort of come back into the team and played really well. Um, I don't think they're where they were last year, but they're going in the right direction. So that being the case, it was the right decision to relieve Mourinho of duty? Yes. Arsenal huff and puff and struggle to get the better of Newcastle. Julien, was this a function of Steve McLaren's brilliant game plan? Or just a really bad game for the Gooners? More of bad game for the Gooners. I think they were tired and sloppy and slow and everything. And they still fought hard to win it. Fair play to them, I think. And for Steve, I, I, it's no brainer the way Steve set up his team. You know, it's just, that's what you do when you go to the Emirates. We try to over, overflow the midfield and stuff. But they should have done better. So, sort of well done to Steve, but not, not that good. <laughs> You know, like you, you like to mock them, right? That's why you call him Steve, yeah, right? Yeah, I just, I just love that video. I watch it, I watch it regularly. Me and my wife just crack up. It's mental. And you know, in the in Christmas time, we do, we get those like top fifty moments, the most funniest thing in football or something on Sky One or whatever, crop, crop channel. And he was number one, and so the whole family watched it again, and everybody cracked up, even the kids one, because it was just so funny. Ah, so it's yeah. a rip roaring, rollicking time in the yes, Lawrence household at Christmas, yes, isn't it? Yes. Jürgen Klopp is angry after Liverpool's 2-0 defeat against West Ham. So much so that he apparently said just three words to his players after. Uh, Alison, would you like to guess what they were? And given that he has 18 points from 12 games compared to Brendan Rodgers, who had 12 points from 8 games, which, if my division is correct, is exactly the same rate of return, um, we're not seeing much of an improvement yet. Are you concerned? Are you pining for a return of the uh, muscular, nicely toothed one? The three words were not ich liebe dich. They were probably included the word dick, however. <laughs> and uh, I'm not worried because uh, Klopp was appointed at a ridiculously stupid time of the season. There's, there was nothing you can do. He inherited a, a very mid-table looking squad and I think Klopp is capable of bringing a trophy to Anfield this season, whether it's the Capital One Cup or the Europa League Cup and then we'll see the proper Klopp after the summer. My colleague Steve Nickel, who um, loves Liverpool almost as much as you do, he just thinks the players are all absolutely, with one or two exceptions, he's absolutely terrible. There's not a single one of those defenders who he would keep except for maybe Klein on a good day. You agree? I agree. There you go. Tottenham Hotspur battled to a 1-1 draw away to Everton and Tony Barrett says it felt like two points dropped for Pochettino's crew. Hughie, is this a sign of the club's newfound ambition? Because the point Tony makes is that until very recently, oh, look, we got a point at Goodison. That's good. Spurs are building long-term. No. They want to be in the title race. Yeah, they do, and they should be. The the way they've approached the first half of the season, only one defeat, the best defence in the country. So they can harbour grand ambitions. I also think it's a sign that they played very well yesterday. The first half, particularly, very dominant. Hit the woodwork. So they probably should have won, yeah. If General Zod were to appear to you and say, like, Husey, you can have one English player this season to add to your favourite team, which, of course, I'm not giving anything away, is Huddersfield, <laughs> would it be Dele Alli? Yeah. He's the most exciting young player I can remember coming through since Rooney, really. He's just from, from nowhere, from League One to the England team in six months. Amazing. Sunderland overcome Aston Villa 3-1 in the mother of all relegation six-pointers. Julian, Villa haven't won since the opening day of the season. For those of you who follow Stan Collymore on uh, Twitter, he is a Villa fan, of course, uh, and he's a very, very angry man. He has zero faith in Remy Gard. <laughs> uh, do you have more faith in 
I do. I've got faith in him. I just think he was such a tough task, you know, and a bit like Klopp, he arrived at such a bad time with a very average, well, worse than average squad, I think. And there were, I don't think there was much he could do different. I think they've he set them a bit better, probably. They, at times, they've defended a bit better. At times, they've they've been so bad. I mean, there's there's nothing you can do against Sunderland. When you see how they defended, that third goal is just mental. Why would any player in the whole world do something like that? You know, it's just it's, it's from Lescott to yeah, yeah, all of them. It's just it was it was pathetic. And I so feel the a problem bit actually. Sorry, I if you're blaming Lescott and Richards, you're saying the problem isn't too many French players; it's too many English players. Well, at least the one they have. <laughs> no, no, the, the one English they have. But I feel a bit for him. He knew it was going to be difficult. I just didn't think that he thought it would be that hard. You know, if they go down, at least he's going to give it all the whole time. And I think if they go down, he's obviously going to stick with them in the championship and, and bring them back up. Was your children's cartoon in France named Remy years ago? Yeah, he had no friends. Had no f- oh, no, no, yeah, yeah. Remy sans famille. He had no friends, no family. It was a sad. It was a sad. <laughs> so was he? Sad. And it, yeah, I don't know if he, he was, was a little kid who like traveled the countryside yes, on his exactly, own, right? Because he had no family, no friends. Yeah, but that's that's probably not very encouraging for us in Villa fans. Is that what he was? Who he was named for? <laughs> no, I hope, no, I hope not. I hope not. Leicester are held to a nil-nil draw by plucky, yay, plucky Bournemouth, who go down to ten men but hang in there thanks to some neat saves from one Archer Boritz. Allison, what's more likely, Leicester to finish top four or your pals, the Cherries, to stay up? Well, sadly, I think it, it, it is it is probably mo- quite likely that Leicester will not finish in the top four and Bournemouth will go down. They have to find goals. They have to find... I think they need to sign a couple of strikers. Iturbe, Iturbe. They've been so unlucky with injury, but so what? They've got to get over it and, and spend some money. And if they do, they'll be fine. Otherwise, otherwise, most things about Bournemouth are good. And Leicester, I don't know, let's hope that for their sake, Vardy's layoff is actually good for him and he comes back and goes on another 28 goal run or something. People forget is that Leicester actually have some money to spend and they're willing to spend it. Gab, I have a question for you. Gary Neville's Valencia, and that still sounds odd, took on Real Madrid last night and it finished 2-2. It was very exciting. Who should be happier with the result? I think one G. Neville should be happier with the result. I mean, it was it was one of those games that was kind of all over the place, really, really exciting. But the fact of the matter is that Real Madrid could and should have won this game. I think there were two penalties that weren't given to Real Madrid, which, and it was interesting because before that, Valencia were very clever in the weeks leading, or in the days leading up to the game. They kept going on and on about how we hope this referee won't be against us. We we don't we think this referee doesn't like us, and, and then you know they got inside the guy's head and they didn't give a penalty on Bale, and I thought one on Ronaldo, which should have been given too. There was so much drama in this game with Real Madrid taking the lead 2-1 and all of a sudden a really, really nice uh, um, header from from Gareth Bale and all of a sudden you're thinking like, yes, this is it. And then like within 71 seconds they concede because it doesn't matter who the manager is but Pepe still plays like Pepe. And then at the end, Negredo had a chance to do it. it. I mean, look, poor Rafa. Kovacic, of course, was sent off with 20-odd minutes to go. A poor Rafa, he says, you know, well, if you look at the draw, it's not good. But if you look at the performance, we played well, we controlled the game, which he keeps saying, and now they lampoon him. Like I said, I thought they deserved more, but Valencia showed also sort of tremendous spirit, and, and they could have had all three points. So to answer your question, I'll probably say Gary Neville. Right, that's all we've got time for today. Many, many thanks to my guests today, Julian Lawrence, Alison Rod, and the very excellent Matt Hughes. Hughes, did you run here today? Running home. Well, you're running home. There you go. You live, what, about eight miles from here? You're running back to Huddersfield? <laughs> 11 miles. Right. It's 11 miles to your home. 
there you go. Please, please press that subscribe button. Remember, you can also subscribe to the Urban Cross Training Podcast, which is presented by you, Husey, right? <laughs> We're going to be back next week. Have you done any parkour? Oh, come a- on. Asian park- vegetable. What's that? Parkour? Isn't that the thing with like French people running on rooftops and jumping from one to the other that was in the free James running. Bond film? Or free running? No? No, that's a bit dangerous. Never heard of that. No, I'm not a big fan of jumping from rooftops. I'm not Spider-Man. Not yet. And yet. There's something about the way you're dressed today. I can see you <laughs> jumping from roof to roof. Now remember, you can get exclusive football, rugby, and cricket highlights free as part of your subscription. And apparently, they they, they still play cricket in in winter, don't they? Just not here, right? In South Africa. Mm, yeah. In South Africa, yes. Yeah, yeah. And then something really good. This guy Stokes, as I say. Stokes made history by scoring an amazing double century yesterday. Julian is a Frenchman, but also yeah. a big cricket fan. Johnny Bestoff is made edu- in Educate Gab. Yeah. Double century would be 200 runs? Yeah, yeah. more than an extra 58. Wait, stupid question, why does that make history? Is nobody, uh, surely other people it's have really done this before. I know it's it. rare, but... Oh, speed, yeah. a lot of sixes. Yeah. Lance Klusner style. It's just 12 pounds for 12 weeks, and you can get cricket highlights of Ben Stokes, right? as well there you go just search the times online till next week bye bye your subscription to the times and the sunday times now comes with access to every barclays premier league goal refresh your app choose your team accept notification and you're away thank you for downloading to discover more head to thetimes.co.uk 